Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Welcome back to Any Questions. This week's question is, what if we can't have kids? Which is uh, a very scary question to be saying out loud. Before we dive into this week's topic, um, I just wanted to share a little bit about where I'm at currently on my conception trying to conceive journey. Um, I think I've usually started each episode with just like a little update on where I'm at. I envision, hopefully, fingers crossed, if this whole thing works out and I keep going with this podcast, that this will be like a little update on um, my pregnancy, hopefully one day. <laughs> and my kid hopefully one day, and then sort of getting into the meat of the topic. So for where I'm at right now, um, I'm currently on day, let me just pull up my app here so I can be completely accurate. Uh, I am currently on day, no, you would think it would tell me, right? Um, Wow, why is there not? (laughs) All right, well, I on day, oh wait, no, it just said right at the top there, sorry, day 38 of my cycle, which if you are somebody who has a regular cycle, which I think is 28 days or somewhere between 21 and 35, hearing day 38 may cause a lot of panic and alarm bells. For me, it's causing a little bit of panic, (laughs) I'll be honest. Um, As I shared, I usually have a pretty long cycle or on the longer side of normal, or I guess probably past normal at this point. Uh, My last like five or six cycles, I think have all been around this like 37, 38 days. So that's not, um, not totally strange for me. Uh, however, it doesn't really look like we're anywhere close to my period starting. So I think this cycle is going to go even longer, which is a little bit scary. Um, this cycle has definitely felt, uh, different than the others and not in a good way. I've been uh, taking my temperature, like I've been doing for, um, like probably eight months now I've been doing the basal body temperature in the morning and every single cycle, even the ones that go super long. And I had a cycle last summer that was like 54 days. So, you know, something's going on. Um, but even the ones that go super long, I always still get that spike, um, where after you've ovulated your temperature spikes and it stays high until your period comes, I still have not gotten a spike and we are at day 38. And usually once you ovulate, it's 14 more days until your period comes. And for me, that part of my cycle is usually pretty consistent. I will, um, I, I guess, I hope ovulate the temperature spikes. And then it is 14 days after that spike that my period starts. So I haven't spiked yet, which means potentially there are two more weeks in this cycle, which would take me to, this is math I can't do, 38 plus 14 is, wow, you would think great that this is math I could do, but um, it's not. So the answer is 52 (laughs) for all of you shouting into your um, speakers or whatever that the answer was 52. It is correct. Um, So that would take me to a 52 day cycle if I am ovulating today, which is wildly long and definitely, you know, not normal and probably something to be concerned about. So a little worried about that. Um, I was using the ovulation predictor kit strips this cycle as well, and also just had very uncertain results with those. There were some days where it looked like, oh, it's, you know, it's getting darker. It's almost darker than the control line, which tells you just to back up on that. um, Those are strips that you use to predict ovulation. So the idea being there's two lines on the strip 
the control line and the test line. And once the test line is darker than the control line, that means your luteinizing hormone has surged in your body. And about 12 to, I think, 36 hours later, you'll ovulate. Um, so I had a few test strips where it looked like the test line was like just almost going to be darker than the control. And then the next time I tested where, you know, you would think, okay, this time it is going to be darker. Um, it would be down to like absolutely nothing, like super faint. So <laughs> feels like there's a lot of weirdness going on in my body right now. And it's making me nervous, which I think has led to this week's topic of what if we can't have kids? What if all of this um, abnormality, <laughs> all of this strange weirdness that's happening with my body and with my cycle means that we are not able to have kids naturally. So it's really scary to say this question out loud. Like, what if we can't have kids? What if there's an issue? What if something's wrong? What if it just, you know, doesn't happen for us? Um, it's super scary to say that out loud and to think those questions and to think through the different different possibilities. Um, you know, I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> I'm also not sure if we're there yet. Like I've shared, this is sort of the first cycle where we've actually been diligently testing, like using these OPK strips and things like that. The last couple cycles, we were on vacation with family, so we weren't able to um, use the OPK strips privately, so we didn't really bother with them. So this is technically the first cycle where we've been tracking things properly and uh, the third cycle where we just like haven't had any protection. Um, so it's not like we've been at this a very long time. So we're probably not really at a point where we should be saying, oh my God, it's not working throw in the towel or like, you know, move on to new ideas. I think we do still have some time, which is nice. Um, you know, it's not time to panic yet, but hearing that, you know, <laughs> my cycle is doing wild things like it's currently doing is definitely a little bit of cause for concern. So as much as I want to be positive and optimistic and, you know, they say even with healthy, normal couples, it can take a year on average to get pregnant. Like that is totally um, an acceptable time frame. Uh, I also want to set my expectations. I'm the kind of person who I really love having my expectations set. I get disappointed very easily um, if I'm expecting something as simple as <laughs> my husband loves to bring up this example. There was one night where we, I was really craving um, a specific type of like Sunday brownie combination at Dairy Queen. And uh, my husband was going to you know, get it for me. But the Dairy Queen, we went to go get it from, they didn't have that anymore. And I like almost cried <laughs> that I would have to get some other version of a blizzard or a Sunday or whatever. And it was so devastating. And my poor husband like walked all the way to a different Dairy Queen to try to get it. They also didn't have it. So he like, you know, finagled the closest thing he could find. Um, hilarious. I have no idea where that response came from. But I like to have my expectations set and I have a hard time with disappointment. So for me, it's actually helpful to talk through the different possibilities if we aren't able to have kids naturally. And uh, I know we're not quite there yet. I know we still have time and obviously we're going to keep trying and, you know, hopefully knock on wood, this is all for naught. And we are able to have uh, children, you know, naturally without any help or any other interventions, but uh, it's definitely a possibility. And I know a lot of couples do work through these things and go down this line and you know, this process. So I think it's important to talk about, especially if it's something that is sort of in the back of your mind. I think it's really helpful to hear that, like, yes, other people worry about this too. And um, there's, there's options out there for us. 
So let's get into the different options that would be available to us if we aren't able to have kids naturally. And when I say get into the options, I mean sort of broad strokes, talk about the different um, things that we could do and sort of my reaction to them, pros and cons, whether it's something we would want to think about or not. I'm not getting into any of the details, any of the, I'm sure, myriad of different ways people can have children. Um, I'm not an expert. This is not um, advice or medical expertise or anything like that. This is more just broad strokes. So first option would be medical intervention. So starting with things like, you know, medication to help regulate my cycle, all the way up to, you know, in vitro and different procedures and tests and things like that. So I think for me, we're sort of at a place and, you know, I've had this conversation with my husband where we're definitely open to medication. And I know there are um, medications that help to sort of regulate your cycle or to encourage ovulation. Um, so we're definitely interested in trying something like that, especially if it's a situation where um, that's just, you know, that's all we need. That's a little boost. And the medication is something that we can afford. And, you know, it's a I was reading about one that's, you know, pretty simple. It's like five or six days and you're just taking a pill and it's not, you know, crazy side effects, things like that. Uh, we're definitely open to that. I think we would be open to testing as well if this is, you know, if we're still having this conversation in a year, just to try to figure out not what's wrong with us, but just what's going on, right? Like testing to figure out what's going on. When it gets into the more... I guess you can say invasive procedures like, you know, things like IVF or IUIs. Um, I'm sure there's a billion more that I don't know about yet. Um, that I think is a completely separate conversation and it's not one we've had yet. I think at first glance, it's um, it's not something I'm super excited about, which I assume most, you know, I don't think anyone goes into their child's um, their journey to children saying like, yes, IVF, can't wait. <laughs> um, I think it's just a matter of how bad do we want it, right? Like if we want to have children and we're at that point, you know, we really want to have our own children naturally, um, you know, how bad do we want it? Do we want to put a lot of time and energy and emotion and money into it? That's a huge piece, right? Can we afford it? Um, assuming that a lot of these procedures and things are not covered by our uh, insurance um, or public health care, then what what are our options? Do we want to be putting 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 into having children? Does that, you know, really hurt our plans to retire or our ability to raise said child because we put all of the money into having them? Are we even good candidates? Like, are we people who, you know, IVF would work out for us? Um, surrogacy, is that an option? There's so many different things to explore down this path. I think a lot of it is um, a big question mark for me right now. And I think the biggest part of that is just we're not there yet. So I think for us, for now, we are happy to sort of do low intensity, <laughs> non-invasive medical um, interventions, like things like pills or whatever, to sort of start um, ovulation to help us out, uh, probably open to testing if it wasn't anything super expensive, but where we go from there, if we decide to do more intensive procedures to, to try to get pregnant, to try to have a child, I think those are going to be much bigger conversations and really an issue of how bad do we want this? Can we afford it? Will it work out for us? Which I'm sure everyone who goes down this route has those questions as well, but it's not something where we're sort of saying like, okay, if it gets to IVF, absolutely not. Like, nope, we don't want a kid. It's fine. Um, and it's not a situation where we're saying, okay, we want a kid so bad, whatever it takes, you know, we're all in. We're kind of on the fence, which I think is probably the ethos of this podcast, being kind of on the fence about quite a few things and knowing we'll get to that conversation if and when we need to. 
The second sort of big option here would be adoption. So um, having a child through adoption, meaning the child is not biologically um, connected to either of us, and whether that is a domestic adoption or an international adoption, um, obviously big conversations to have there. Adoption is um, an option, funny enough, as a kid, I would always talk about like really wanting to adopt. And I think a lot of that came out of a very misguided white savior complex, um, you know, being 13 and not really knowing any better, um, thinking that that would just be such like a great way to, to have a kid. Um, I love the idea of telling a kid like, hey, you were chosen, like I chose you, you know, I, I wanted you in my life, I picked you specifically, it wasn't just, you know, a drunken accident or something like that. Um, and I, I still think that's kind of a beautiful thing to do. And it's, you know, a very nice way to grow your family. Um, but there are a lot of caveats with that. Obviously, adoption is very expensive, especially international adoption, um, especially if you were trying to have, you know, actually get placed with, or I'm not sure what the terminology is with adoption. I guess if you're trying to adopt um, a baby, as opposed to an older child, if you prefer to take uh, care of a baby who doesn't have any, um, you know, medical concerns or things like that. Obviously, it uh, gets pretty pricey, and there's you know long waits and things like that. So there's so many questions there that are just <laughs> totally, um, totally consuming. Like things like you know, would you prefer to raise a child from, you know babyhood when they're a couple months old? Or would you take a child who's two or three years old? Would you take a child? I've, I have uh, relatives who adopted and just the amount of intense specific questions like, okay, would you take a child whose mother was addicted to one of these drugs, but not one of these drugs? What about two of these drugs, but not these drugs? Like just the specificity in the questions and the things you have to think through just boggles my mind. Because when you think about it, you know, there's also people having kids who you know, had a drunken hookup in a bathroom stall and they get to have a baby. Whereas, <laughs> you know, my poor aunt and uncle who went through like four rounds of IVF that never worked out and then turned to adoption and waited years and spent tens of thousands of dollars. Um, it's just such a huge consuming process. So again, it'll be that conversation of how bad do we want this? Do we want to go down this route that's going to be um, not only expensive and super time consuming, but also like emotionally um, really exhausting. I know I've heard a lot of stories of adoption ending in heartbreak, you know, placements happening and then not happening at the last moment and things like that. Um, so we'd really have to be all in. And again, we're not at a place where we have had that decision or had that conversation and made that decision. Um, and I'm certainly no expert on um, adoption in general. Um, there's also the whole issue of like transracial adoption. And I know a lot of um children who were adopted into families that are a different race than them, there's really a feeling of disconnection and, you know, not really feeling at home. And not to say like, oh, because we are, you know, white and Chinese, we should only adopt white and Chinese babies. Um, but just, I don't know, maybe, right? Like, I'm, I'm not an expert on that. There's a ton of really brilliant people who have done great writing on this. And of course, actually speaking to adopted, or kids who were adopted and the, hearing their experience. But that's like a whole nother um, topic I would really want to educate myself on before we jumped into adoption and if that is the right journey for us. But it is interesting that adoption was something I talked about so much when I was a kid and saying that was how I would grow my family. So it's definitely 
on the table. Um, but whether or not we pursue it would be just a whole host of other <laughs> of other conversations. The final option, so you know, medical interventions one, adoptions one, and then the other option, as far as I know, as I can see it right now, would be like just not having kids. So doing something medically where it's you know our kid, either through IVF or through surrogate or whatever, doing adoption where it is you know biologically not our child, but obviously we are adopting them into our family or. Um, deciding just not to have kids. So obviously that is an option. If you can't uh, naturally have children, you can just choose not to have them. You don't have to pursue anything beyond that. So that's another huge, huge one. And I think for us, because we are kind of on the fence, we're not, yes, we want a child and we are actively trying to have a child, but um, I think there would be the realities of the other options that would hit us in the face and make us really consider life without kids. So would that be okay. Um, I don't know. Right now, it's really hard to consider that possibility because we are so active in this process. Um, not to say we're like, you know, doing it every day or anything, but we just really want kids right now. And it's um, become a thing that I think sort of like germinated in my mind first. I don't know if that's just a thing with, you know, usually you hear women in the hetero relationships are the ones who sort of have the thought first, but it's really become something that like both my husband and I really want. We talk about it often. We talk about that being our, you know, future. We make decisions based on that being our future. It's, you know, it's part of our daily life to talk about it. And while we're in this process of, you know, trying to get pregnant, we are very sensitive to any talk of children, of babies, of pregnancies around us. It, I talked about this in my last episode, it really does feel like everyone on social media and everyone in the real world is either pregnant or has a small child. Every time I go out to walk my dog, I swear I see like two or three pregnant women. <laughs> um, so it's everywhere. And I can't imagine, you know, not not being impacted by that if we decided not to have kids. Because right now I am so sensitive to all of the instances of, you know, babies and pregnancy and kids around us. And I can't imagine saying like, okay, we're not going to have kids and not sort of feeling hurt every single time um, pregnancy or kids came up. I'm sure over time it would lessen and it wouldn't hurt as much, um, but it would be really tough in where I'm at right now to picture a time where we would just say, okay, no, it's not happening for us. Let's move on. Um, I think I would have a hard time for a number of years, maybe even longer, um, seeing, you know, friends, family, people on social media get pregnant, have kids, uh, I think it would really kind of break my heart every time, which is horrible. Um, and I, oh, my heart goes out to people who are in this situation who have decided or have been, you know, forced to decide that they can't have kids and having to just sort of deal with the realities of the rest of the world having children is very, very difficult. And I'm sorry if that is something that you are dealing with. For me, I think I would need something to sort of fill the, I don't want to call it a void, but like the hole that I picture, you know, I picture a future right now with a kid. I picture us as parents and I picture that being our life. And if that were to not happen, I would definitely need to have something else in the place of that. I am um, someone who really, I struggle with monotony. I hate the day-to-day -day life. I hate even just the idea of like, you know, working every day, nine to five, relaxing on the weekend. Like I need something bigger going on. I need a project. I need a vacation. I need just something else in my life that I'm working towards or working on or that's happening so I don't get so bored. <laughs> I really struggle with boredom and monotony and routine. Um, not to say that kids aren't like, you know, of course there's a part of childhood that will feel very routine and monotonous. And I'm sure if you are a parent listening to this, you're like, oh, just you wait. <laughs> there's nothing more monotonous than making your kids lunch for 12 years or something like that. Um, but I, you know, it's a different life 
life, right? So I think I would need something else going on. And of course, people who don't have kids have very happy, full lives. I don't think um, that just because you choose not to have children or you, you know, you can't have children that your life's going to suck. I just know for me that I would need something else. I would need something bigger. So I think that would also be uh, conversations with my husband to say like, Hey, obviously a ton of conversations of like, okay, are we, you know, are we not going to do this? Are we not going to have kids? And then a bunch more conversations of like, okay, what else? Like, are we, you know, are we starting our own business? Are we opening a coffee shop bookstore, which is like, you know, always been my dream. Am I going to write a book? Are we going on these epic vacations? Are we taking, you know, big sabbaticals? Are we adopting 18 more dogs? Are we buying a farm? Like, I just, you know, I need something. I need a project. I need something to invest and throw myself in, um, which is kind of exciting. Like I said, all of those things in jest, but I'm starting to see like kind of the silver linings to a life without kids which is, again, for me, because I'm the kind of person who I need my expectations set. I need to think through all the different options. I like to be realistic, probably more pessimistic than optimistic. It actually helps to talk through these different options. Um, So, you know, in case things do happen, in case in a year we're still at this point where we haven't been able to conceive naturally and we have to kind of talk through next steps, um, I want to be okay with all the different options and finding ways to be happy, uh, no matter how this journey ends, whether it's conceiving naturally, whether it's medical intervention, whether it's adoption, whether it's just not having kids. I want to really be able to find happiness in all of those situations, because I do think all of them offer potential to be happy, Um, even if it's not exactly what I thought life would look like, even if it's going to cost more, even if it's going to take longer, even if it's going to hurt in different ways. I do think there is happiness waiting at the end of any of those routes. Um, And I didn't think this is where I was going to get at the end of this podcast, to be very honest. I didn't think I was going to get to a place where I could find happiness in any of those roots, but truly, I truly think I could. Um, So maybe I am a bit more of an optimist (laughs) than I thought. Um, So I will leave you with that. If you are sort of, you know, same place as me on the fence, worried if you will be able to have kids, not sure if it's sort of in your future. I hope this episode was helpful to sort of talk through broad strokes, different options. And I hope you're also able to see the silver lining and the happy future for yourself, no matter what happens. So all the best to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.